Hello, my name is Rindo, and welcome to another episode of Living It Up in Lion City. It has been a while since I last posted an episode on understanding xenophobia in Singapore. Um, I had taken a break for a couple of months. I had to stay away from the internet for a while. Uh, but now I'm back, and so let's get right back into it. Um, it has been an interesting couple of months since I last posted sometime in June, I guess. Um, the recent elections, the shift in policy that acknowledges the local discomfort over the presence of foreigners, and also the increasing social and economic anxiety uh, thanks to the pandemic that's still ongoing. So in light of the current situation, um, it kind of has expanded the scope of this topic. And so um, instead of trying to force fit it into a self-contained trilogy of sorts, I decided to spread out the various facets of this admittedly complex issue over a a number more episodes um, so that I can spread it out over the next couple of months. Uh, I'm also doing this because I'm frankly sick and tired of talking about xenophobia. I've been uh, talking about it, uh, doing homework on it for the greater part of this year. And frankly, I would love to explore other things and, uh, you know, in, in my list. So um, the third episode is not going to be the end of it, but it will be an ongoing conversation. So. Um, this particular episode is going to focus on the impact of online hate. I tried reaching out to a number of people who are victims of online vitriol, um, especially as foreigners, and one of them responded and was willing to talk about it. His name is Avijit Das Patnaik, and um, he was a victim of online vitriol over a Facebook post that he made way back in 2018. So I had a chat with him and got to understand the circumstances and what he went through. Uh, so enjoy the episode, folks. Hello, Avijit. Hi, Rindo. Thanks Welcome. so much for this. No worries. No, it's, it's, I'm, I'm really grateful that I'm able to have a chat with you on this. Um, welcome to Living It Up in Lion City. It's a podcast about, you know, um, stuff that I talk about in Singapore. Um, and I've been meaning to talk to you about this particular topic for quite some time now. Uh, and I'm really thankful that, you know, you responded and are willing to um, be part of this conversation. So, um, Avijit, as you know, uh, I'm an Indian ex expat living in Singapore. Uh, I've been living here for a number of years now, and I have been concerned by the growing res resentment uh, directed towards foreigners. And so, um, in order to understand the, the phenomenon, understand the social issues and stuff, I tried looking out for people who have been at the receiving end of this um, online xenophobia. And, um, of course, um, your name was on the top of the list. Yes. So, um, you know, how about we just get started? And um, Avijit, uh, could you paint us a picture of your life in Singapore uh, prior to the events of 2018? Okay, prior to 2018, we came on 2008, which was dot 10 years before that. Yep. And we loved Singapore like anything in this world. We got a PR very early. Then uh, we, we took an HDB. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I was in a position that I could have taken a condo, but I always felt that I need to mingle more. Plus the HDB, house sizes are bigger, So and, and I like space. So mm -hmm. I took an HDB. Uh, in 2012, I adopted a child in Singapore because uh, we always felt that, you know, wherever we are, we should, you know, contribute something back there, right? I was an MC there for around uh, five to seven years, mm -hmm. doing in community hubs, doing mm -hmm. for all different sorts of programs, not just for Diwali or Indian events, any programs. I was yeah. an official MC for DBS Bank for their operations unit, for all their charity programs and their uh, company offsites. And uh, I was myself a trainer in DBS. Okay, I was training DBS uh, operations staff on a module called Making Banking Joyful. And in that, one of, those, uh, one of the modules was how to appreciate Singapore more. So I was giving training to Singaporeans out there that you should not be so upset with Singapore. Singapore is a lovely country. You must be there. So in our books, and my son went to a local school. He loved the Singapore army. He wanted to be part of the, uh, you know, uh, he wanted to be part of the Singapore army later in life. So he was quite excited about NS compared to other kids. And not just that, I mean, that aside, we had sort of a dream life, you know. Uh, I have this habit of going on vacation. So every year we used to go to minimum four vacations. So I have toured all parts of Singapore around Europe and many parts. And I can tell you at the end of 10 years, 2018, before this episode, 
Singaporeans would ask me, hey, which is the best Thai place to go to eat? Where do you get better Suchuan cuisine? You know, where do I get good petai sambal dishes? Some many things, you know, I remember during Chinese New Year, in our family, I think out of the 10 years, seven, eight years, we did the lohe in the house ourselves, within the four of us, you know, that, you know, doing the mixing the lohe, throwing it up. We were more Singaporeans than anybody else is what, the way I feel. And we loved Singapore. I have a blog. In that blog, you'll find at least 10 articles in which I praise Singapore. Uh, I have written a blog on Joseph Schooling, the day he won a gold medal, and Singapore's first Olympic gold medal. I have written an article on Deepavali, and that Singapore is the only country in the world which actually decorates a four-kilometer-long street for Deepavali, and that stays decorated for around three to four months. I said, even in India, you won't find a street decorated for three to four months. So. That's true. Yeah, so th- th- that's my reality, which obviously Singaporeans won't accept today. They won't like to hear my story. And just one thing, I will be mentioning the word Singaporeans going ahead. I know it's very unfair. I know it's a city which I love the most. But let's face it, when 500, 600 trawlers, you know, racist trawlers come and give their opinions, and the majority is silent, and this five, 600 trawlers' opinions, you know, extreme opinions, becomes a representative of a nation of 6 million, and DBS takes an DBS Bank takes an action basis on that, and the police investigation changes this entire course basis on that. Then I think I have every right to call it a Singaporeans in general, and then talk about it. So um, speaking of um, that event, uh, and once again that event, uh, I mean I was following that with great interest. Um, it was deeply concerning for me because there were certain trends which wasn't necessarily because of. Uh, your actions specifically, but um, before we discuss that, um, and I, I understand this is a, it's a pretty um, it is a pretty traumatic event for you. Yeah. Um, and um, if you don't mind, could you uh, describe uh, what happened? Oh, the trauma part of it. Uh, so I think fifteenth uh, August, I get a WhatsApp forward, like many other WhatsApp forwards. I'm a Hindu, mm-hmm. and I know Lord Hanuman. Mm-hmm. There's Lord Hanuman tears his chest and there's a picture of Lord Ram and Lord Sita. That's the only way I saw the picture. And I can bet you most Indians saw it only that way because they know the background of it. So I, I posted the picture. I, I generally, okay, now just to get one step back, you know, if mm-hmm. many people will say, oh, he has disrespected my country. I've been an MC for seven years for company and for personal. I blog. I'm an admin in some six, seven Facebook groups. And I post on Facebook every day. Nobody knows better than me what to tell and what to write. Okay. That post, when I put that, it is something which not I have created. I never created that, although some junk website said that. It is from a website called tyolo.com. Tyolo has thousands of combinations of that. You know, like, uh, you know what, a Nigerian blood in my, and, you know, English, English body, Nigerian blood, something like that. During the Cricket World Cup, UK Cricket World Cup, the, the same picture with uh, the English, uh, English body being torn and the Indian flag inside was circulated all around. Nobody had a problem. Singapore also, I posted it on Facebook and I had close to 100 likes on that. Okay, within hours. And it was not just Indians who appreciated and, uh, you know, Indians as well as Singaporean Indians as well as DBS staff who appreciated that because they only saw it one way. But what happened after that? Okay, now what happened after that I'll take later. I'll answer specifically your question, the trauma I went through. Because in a few days, I was doing police station rounds. Mm-hmm. I was doing media rounds. There were three junk websites which were publishing lies about me. They said I've got arrested. When the truth is that the police cleared me on day one. The police clears me on day one, said there's no problem, close the issue. DBS clears me on day two. There's a message they put on the social media. This thing has been counseled. The employer has been counseled and it's done and dusted. But the way it keeps coming up. Okay, uh, then um, it comes out in the media, it comes out in the junk media. Then hell breaks loose. Okay, uh, then obviously I have my problems with DBS, who then, you know, who initially had said it's all fine and I was working as a normal employee and suddenly I'm terminated. Okay, not just terminated, I'm told that you, uh, you are terminated. You have two options. One is that you resign on yourself or we terminate you and you cut last six months' salary. You know, for an expat there, six months salary is not a, is, you know, nothing for a lot. And I'm wondering for what? For a Facebook post. Okay. Here's, you know, here's another thing I want to raise. Each of us, me, you, anybody, we spent 20 years getting educated. 
20 years of late night staying away getting educated we spent 10 years in lower lower levels of office to start a career you know working late nights pleasing people and all that then there's the middle management level 5 years more you give in middle management level it's only 35 years of such slogging that you can put yourself in the category called successful i am successful in life no corporate or nobody in this world has a right to snatch that 35 years for something that is just not related to dbs or to any bank asset i didn't steal a cent okay i didn't slap anybody in fact if i had done an accident and killed five people my I, my life would have been much better in singapore actually this turned out to be much worse the way it is so um avijit i want to explore um the the post in in some detail uh, you mentioned that symbolism of you know hanuman uh, opening his chest and um yeah. showing ram and neet um yeah. the other thing that a lot of people identify then especially indians um living overseas identify with is the um the fir bhi dil hai hindustani principle right it's right. a it's a deeply uh, indian i wouldn't say a philosophy but it's something that we all know it's right. essentially a call to uh, remember our roots and know who we are right absolutely so the thing is that within that context i guess indians around the world um and i say like non resident indian specifically grew up in an indian environment uh, would know that particular tenet um i when i first saw the picture i was like i understood what it meant uh but i could also see how it would make you know let's say singaporeans uncomfortable because without that context they would just see um that picture as one of a flag being torn um so uh, i i did have some conversations with singaporean friends about this and um a lot of them did raise this up it's regardless of whatever memes are being put out there some of them are fun some of them are dumb um this one kind of is a little uncomfortable because it does show a flag being torn and in many countries singapore india and a lot of countries you know desecration of a flag is is you know kind of a big deal um but i think it it becomes it becomes a little confusing because once again it's not something that you created it's not something that uh, uh you did essentially it is not an action it was just you know the simple act of sharing something and i dare say in a facebook group specifically uh for people who would understand this context so um obviously someone took offense and decided to spread that um the reason i'm bringing this up is because um recent conversations much after um you know what you went through um a narrative took hold that it wasn't about sharing the flag it was also about tearing it so um there's been a lot of talk about how about the flag terror um so it kind of morphed from just sharing a simple picture with an ambiguous meaning which can be taken or uh, misconstrued into um someone actually doing the act of it and a large part of the hate over the years uh when talking about you know yourself or that you know um has always been going back to the fact that you tore a flag versus what you actually did so the misinformation kind of took root and nobody seeing past that so um this is what i i really struggle with because um if we were um if we knew each other and if this thing came up um i would definitely have brought up the fact that you know of course it's a flag that's being torn you know the image can be disturbing to some people but the fact that it moved from that is what made things may you know that's what brought out a yeah. lot of the hate so um i i honestly do not know how you went through that um i'll and, just add to yeah. the points which you mentioned what if there was a picture of a lion inside would people have felt offensive over that <laughs> okay one next yeah. Yeah. if people really had a problem if anybody had a problem they would have first gone to the website and said please remove remove all your singapore flag combinations out of there not a single complaint has gone towards the website nobody chased after that there were many other people who had shared a similar image you know like uh, singapore flag uh, i mean singapore body bangladeshi heart so many people singapore body pakistani heart many people have said this flag is popular across the world let me tell you that it's a matter of time before some you know actor comes on an oscar awards wearing a t-shirt with that is that plus the other thing is that the most offensive t-shirt have you seen worth crucifying the guy then comes um, the other point is yeah. that you know sorry i'll just yeah, complete no, this please, point is that yeah. yeah if um, yeah so is that the most offensive t-shirt no going by the law the law states that physically desecrating burning tearing the flag is a 1000 dollar fine has that been charged on me no that's not to be charged because 
I have not done it. How can they charge that to me? They cannot change the law just to you know appease people. What has been done to me is infinitely worse, and it was specific targeting. I am, I am telling you, you know, it's it's not about that picture. It was about people's internal frustrations, and suddenly they got a poster boy for that. I was an Indian, and you know, I was in a senior position in a local bank. How dare he do it? That is the disturbing implication that's coming up time and again over the last couple of years. Um, I think I've come to realize that there is a lot of frustration over, how do I put this? Like the, it's the redistribution of privileges to a group that's considered um, undeserving of it. So, um, and unfortunately, for various reasons, the Indian expat community, um, thanks to a listening of stereotypes, is considered undeserving of high paying and um, respectable jobs, so to speak. Um, and it, it is quite unfortunate. Um, people know this now, it's part of the social commentary now, but back then for you, um, it was probably not um, it, it's always been simmering under the surface, but, uh, you know, not exactly part of popular discourse. Um, Avijit, I have to ask, um, how have you and your family been, um, how did they, how, you know, how did you guys deal with this? And It was tough, you know, after I got sacked from the job and that became news, I lost connect with 80% of my friends because many people just didn't want to touch me. Many people were too scared. Many people didn't. Friends in Singapore who definitely saw this as nothing but a pure racist targeting act, themselves got scared, you know, that if I if I talk to him, that, you know, maybe I'll land in trouble. So I am in such a state that the, I, I reached a phase where I had seven friends across the world, including in Singapore, who wanted to say that, I have my house in India, please go and stay there for free. Don't worry about rent and all. But I could not say those names in public, that, hey, thank you, X, because my trust in Singapore system is so low, and generally for Indians is so low that I feel that if I put somebody's name, then the system may come to target that person. It's been that low. So that is one part. Now next is, so what do I do? I start searching jobs for six months. I don't get anything. There are people, there are Singaporeans, really good Singaporeans with good intent wanted to help me, but it, it just didn't work out. There's a top American insurance company with whom I'm about to get a job. And then MOM comes in and tells them, don't hire this guy. This is around February. That's the time, February 2019, that's the time I decide I will not, you know, be a corporate slave again and be mercy to everything. You know, what's the use of my 35 years of hard work if all they're going to judge me is based on one Facebook share? That, then what do we do? We need to leave the country. So I have to sell off my house at, you know, lower than what I would have expected normally. That was a house for 10 years and HDB, which we loved. I mean, it was our place of worship, let's put it that way. I had planned my entire life to retire in Singapore. I had applied for the citizenship third time. First time I had applied in a hurry. The third time I had applied, you know, during this phase only. And so I had parked all my funds in Singapore instruments because I thought if I'm being here, my money should be here and I should be, you know, serving here, whatever I have to do. I had to break all those retirement funds. And, you know, those are losses. Those are serious losses, including my house sale loss, these loss. It was easily a six-digit SGD number loss. And yeah, and then the trauma, you know, many of your own relatives, friends, they start questioning you, they start, you know, accusing you. People have their own statements. Oh, see, I always used to tell you, you fly too much. You know, you share too much. You, you talk too much. You go through all that and then you come to a new country and adjust it. My daughter, who had nothing to do with this, lost four of her close friends overnight. You know, just imagine you are in a class, you are a batch of five, you sit together, you eat together, in the weekends you go to malls together and do everything together. You study at home together. Suddenly from the next day, the other four girls decide to sit separately because their parents have told them, hey, avoid that family. That's in a nutshell what I want to, I'm not even mentioning what, what are the different stages DBS told me. DBS told me that, hey, do one thing, let police clear you of this, we will take care. In some way or the other, we'll take care. Either we'll hire you or we'll put you somewhere else. I write to the PMO and I actually wrote four letters to the Prime Minister of Singapore and I told, and I explained my side, PMO replies back and tells me, in the PMO replies back the first letter and tells police and AGC, please act fast since, fast since there's no more investigation happening. The, I got the decision in record time. I think 15th August was my incident. August 2, I got a decision with a warning, which is a standard warning which you know people get for overspeeding or stuff like that. 
I go back to DBS, DBS suddenly forget all the promises. They're not going to pay me a cent. So I need to again write to the PMO. It was a struggle, but I never gave up on Singapore. I stayed one year on Singapore, at Singapore, more than a year on Singapore, you know, uh, stressing my finances. But I, I always believe that, no, Singapore will correct this. Singapore is not an extremist country. They will correct this. They know me. They will fix this. But it didn't happen. So I'm here back, you know, as you see, the rape land. Singaporeans referred this as the rape land, uh, the village. So I'm back at my village now, and I'm quite gung-ho about things. My, uh, my future is bright and shining, not the way you see Wow. Um, Avijit, I can't begin to imagine um, the trauma your family especially went through for, um, yeah, and it, it, it brings up some pretty concerning points that um, that's how toxic things can get just for an action that's, that's not even, that's uh, even a perceived action is, um, gets you that kind of um, ostracization and stigma. Um, Avijit, I know that you've spent a lot of time, you know, thinking about this for sure. Um, and I want to like, I, I've done my own uh, thinking about this and I try to understand what the issues are. Um, why do you think your post went viral? Ah, there, there are two layers to it. I'll start with the first layer is that whenever, as I told you, I used to take training to DBS staff on making banking joyful. And one of that, mod one of that module, one of those modules was, uh, you know, appreciate Singapore more. So I would mention stuff like how Singapore was ranked in 2012 as least amongst the least happy countries in the world. That Starhub started a campaign called, you know, have a smile campaign all over. Now, it, it is a fact that simmering inside Singaporeans, they have a, uh, they think that, you know, it's the Indians and the expat Indians. I believe this problem was not there before in the previous century, because in the previous century, the Indians who came in were of a different qualification, came in at different levels, they got different type of jobs. But the, the current generation Indians who are coming in are coming in in good jobs. And, you know, they, they immediately move to condos. I mean, they come in and they go to condos. Very few actually Indians come in and stay in HDBs. Most actually go to condos. And there was the simmering. And somewhere, the Indian expat has been made a target. Now, I asked those, two, uh, I asked those uh, colleagues of mine during the training is that, why do you don't like Singapore? I mean, and... The next line is going to be the line which I always said in each of my MC shows in Singapore, even while encouraging an audience or encouraging my own colleagues, you know, during a, just a pep-up session, that you are sitting in Marina Bay Sands, which is and in the some 42nd floor or somewhere, it was an elite floor, and uh, you're overlooking a beautiful river and uh, Marina Bay, sorry, we were in the Marina Bay Financial Center. This is one of the best countries of the world, on the epicenters of the world, uh, one of the headquarters of the world. And even in that country, you're sitting in one of the best locations, in one of the best banks, in one of the best buildings, in one of the best chairs, and you're getting paid for it. How better can your life be? People would generally come up with things like, oh, uh, you know, Indians are taking away our jobs. Somehow the poster boy was Indian. So I would say that, okay, I'll chase away all Indians out of Singapore. Every Indian I chase out of Singapore. Would you be happy? Would Singapore be a happy nation? There would be pin drop silence. So then I would say that humans are divisive by nature. Today, Indians is the poster boy. If I remove the Indians, somebody else, will. maybe the Filipinos become the poster boy. Maybe the Thais become the poster There is no end to insecurity. There's another very interesting trivia when you, know, when you come to Singapore, and I'm sure you would have faced it. Anybody who comes to Singapore and starts making friends there are five questions a Singaporean will ask that guy within 30 minutes of meeting that guy. 30 minutes or let's say one day of meeting that guy. One of them is, are you a PR or a citizen or an EP? Second is, are you staying in rented accommodation or do you own an accommodation? Third is, is it an HDB or is it a condo? Fourth is, your kids are in international school or in local school? And fifth is about the maid or the car. Do you have a maid? If you see, the insecurity is so deep, you know, I would meet one of my neighbors first time in a bus stop and he would ask me these five, six questions. Th that insecurity is that deep. And I'm sure everybody's asking everybody all these questions. Singapore is an expensive country. Everybody knows that. It's a very beautiful country. But being so much insecure about it, I don't believe it. I never felt insecure when I was in Singapore. Now, coming to your question, why my post went viral? Contrary to popular belief, Many people think that, you know, Singaporeans, the Chinese got upset or whatever, Malays got No, it was the Singaporean Indians who were eager to show their love for Singapore 
is more than an expat Indians. Now, there is a simmering. Okay, let's say the expat Indians and Singapore Indians are not really the best of friends, especially the old generation expat Indians. and uh, Sorry, old generation Singaporean Indians and new generation expat Indians. They really don't like. My post was made viral by them. It was they who put all around and, you know, tried to make it as viral as possible. That is where it went out of hands. And then, of course, there are those three junk websites, Online Citizen, States Times Review, Independent SG. They then, of course, reported a lot of lies that this guy has created the picture. He's arrested. I was never arrested even for a minute. And, so, and there it starts, you know, floating. Now, the Singaporean Indians would have realized one thing today. You know, initially, they were trying to show their patriotism vis-a-vis an expat Indian's patriotism. But after this went live, and following the actions which the Singapore government did and DBS did, and they could not, a rich, powerful government with, and a rich, powerful uh, organization with all resources in the world could not take care of a small Facebook post incident. Now, what has happened is Indian skin is now a softer target. And the Singaporean Indians would have realized that, that they have only done this one. Ramesh Eramali is a citizen. And when I listened to the Ramesh Eramali case, the first thing I did is I messaged him. I said, brother, I, I'm there. I'll help you. I can talk to JP Morgan and put some sense into them. Call me in because that time I was in Singapore. What Ramesh Eramali had was nothing more than a standard two-minute fight with the security guard. We all have such fights every single day with every other guy. People didn't bother he's a citizen or not. People just saw the skin. So now it's come down to the skin. Or the two Indian ladies, you know, during COVID time who were, uh, they were citizens. So Singapore Indians have started it and the system has encouraged it. And that's where it all went, right? And now many people are jumping in that. And as I said, if 600 trawlers if, is representative of a nation of 6 million, then there's a big problem there. You know, I, when I told this incident here in India, the first question most people ask me is, hey, is Singapore a Muslim country? Now, that statement is wrong on so many counts. On so many counts, that wrong, the statement is wrong. But it is what it is. Um, Avijit, um... The thing about Ramesh Aramali, the other two ladies, and in, in a lot of ways, you know, the incident that happened to you too, uh, it does allude to um, resentment towards um, new residents. Now, it could be new citizens, new PRs, uh, and even today, there's a lot of conversation about, you know, um, are you a true blue Singaporean or are you a new Singaporean? New Singaporeans are somehow uh, not worthy of the rights and privileges that the Singapore government um, gives out to citizens. So there's a lot of that stuff that comes up. So um, the case of Eramali, the fact that he was uh, a citizen only came up much, much later. But the the court of social media justice yeah. uh, refused to believe that. And so, you know, they were like, oh, it must be a new citizen then. And yeah. and then this and this so and so and so forth. It's a pretty complex situation, unfortunately. Um, I will be honest with you, Avijit, uh, when I first was, you know, keeping tabs on the Ramesh Eramali incident, um, I did not sign with them simply because I'm not very much uh, in favor of uh, aggressive tactics and arguments of that sort. Um, and I think a lot of the criticism leveled at him was also um, him being classist, you know, pointing to the fact that he owns a condo, he has this much money, and that generally rubs people uh, the wrong way in a lot of ways. But the vitriol um, was disproportionate and excessive. Uh, and if I remember correctly, he got um, death threats and uh, his family got threats of rape and death. And um, for me, that just, it, it's, it blows my mind, you know, because uh, how far should hate go, you know, just because you have a problem with immigration policies. Um, I want to ask you, Avijit, uh, how have you and your family been coping to deal with this hate? Um, you know, I'm, obviously, I'm, I'm thinking that you had to stay off of social media for a while. No, I actually stayed off so, out of social media for three days, and that is only because of DBS. Because DBS told me, we'll take care of you. Don't worry. Just off all your accounts. Now, I told DBS, look, I'm an MC. I'm a blogger. I know what to talk. I know what to say. I just need to put a post clarifying all these points that, you know, this so-and-so has police has cleared me that, you know, uh, uh, DBS has cleared me already that this is already a website for that. This is my intention. This is, this is my past history that I'm more Singaporean than, than a standard Singaporean out there. You know, I, I wanted to put that, but DBS said, don't worry, we'll take care of you. I, I actually, my bosses liked me just before this incident. And I was having a very good uh, time at my corporate office. And so, um, you know, uh, so I had to cut out of social media, but I did get a few messages, but it was not much. Uh, some random people would say, you know, abuse and all on messages, but it was not much. Why? Because I feel that was the poster boy incident. 
And because the system and DBS encouraged it from there, from now onwards, every incident, they will get keep getting more and more messages. If Singapore wanted, they could have contained that. They could have told or come out with the truth and said, no, this is the truth and this is fine. After all, social media is nothing more than a corridor discussion, nothing more than what you discuss you know, on your, on your drawing room. I mean, honestly, if I ask you, Rindo, what did you eat two days ago? You will take five minutes to recall that. If I ask you, what did you, what dress did you wear two days ago? Or which forward did you like the most last week? You will not remember. Social media, the world has to get matured that social media is nothing more than corridor discussions. There are billions of it in, on a day and it has to be forgotten. It's just to be taken like that. Um, Avijit, I will agree and disagree with you because I am one of those guys who get uh, quite affected by negativity on social media. So okay. I do try to you know, step away from it and all that stuff. But um, a large part of uh, the communities that I interact with, a large part of the, the friends that I have, you know, social media is a is often the the biggest way to communicate so Agreed. um so it does affect me on some level and so but i do agree with you on principle that this is something that we have to understand that you know um, can you can you take a person's 35 years career based on a social media post in which he's not broken any law of the land on which he's not broken any law of dbs i mean any rule of dbs or you know took a cent of money from somebody or hit somebody or did anything you cannot i mean it's 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 you know, now it is increasing. You know, initially it was a Facebook post. Now for a street argument. Yeah. Honestly, you know, before I left Singapore, one day I, I saw there were a couple of uh, Singaporean Indians who came. I, I was at a Pizza Hut outlet and I came to do a takeaway. And uh, this was in Sengkang. And a couple of uh, Singaporean Indians came and they were having a fight. They said that yesterday order was at so-and-so time. You gave at so-and-so time. It was a very normal customer service rated fight. But I realized one of their delivery boys immediately came out and he was standing next to me and he was recording that. And I do not blame him. Singapore has encouraged that. The system has encouraged that. DBS has encouraged that. I mean, why go so back? Why not look at current, you know? There's a group of Indian boys during COVID, uh, Indian students during the COVID revolutions, they are going to each other's house and studying. They've all been deported, as per the news, what I've read. They've all been deported, their permits, everything canceled. However, when the nationality changed, the other people who's been parting, they've been fined just $5,000. So in a way, the system also encourages this. I remember there were some Brits, you know, um, um, I think Aussies and Brits and Americans who were doing a pub crawl. They were searching for pubs. All, they have, all of them have been deported as per the news and their work permits canceled and all. For what? You know, why don't you stop the pubs which are open? So, you know, the, in a way, the system encourages. So that's what I say. Racism is there everywhere. Every person inherently has racist undertones. You know, why do I speak outside? Even in India, you know, even before a child is born, a mother is told every possible medicine and food to eat so that the child is born fair. So racism starts even before you're born. So racism is there everywhere. But with Singapore, I feel there's a state, there's a system backing that racism. And that is, that's the part which I think is the most concerning one. Singaporeans in general are very disciplined, very nice. They agree. The other problem out here is that there's no alternate sane voice. You know, in India, if there's a debate, there'll be two sides of debates coming up, two voices, and they'll have an equal weightage. In my case, there was no other voice allowed to creep up for six months till a Channel News Asia journalist wrote one article in my favor down there. I have at least 100 messages of people looking from, including CEOs, that, hey, what's happened is wrong. They should not have. But how many putting it up because they're just not able to? Maybe they're too scared. And as I mentioned, this, you know, today online article which came up, it said, oh, this Avijit Das Patnaik is like Mesa Tozil. Uh, he loves two countries. You can never love two countries. First of all, I felt flattered comparing with Mesa Tozil. He's a, he's a quality player and a top and a World Cup winner. And, a, you know, he's won a gamut of trophies. But then, you know, I wondered, you know, this, this article is actually speaking about extremism. It's not speaking about inclusion. It is not saying that you should love all countries. You should love all cultures. I mean, you know, I haven't even started on my travels. My kids or us, we visit to all possible mosques. I actually bet to any Muslim person, I have visited more mosques in the world than what you have done. You know, uh, I had a couple of uh, housing agents who had come during my house sell-off. Both of them were Chinese ladies. Unfortunately, I cannot take their names because if I take their real names, the system will be after them. The Chinese ladies knew me for a decade. 
and they loved us and they felt extremely bad at the situation towards the end days when we moved from a from our own accommodation after it was sold out to a rented accommodation they would still come to meet us when they had nothing to do with us they had already got the commission before they would still come to meet us with gifts and all and they'll keep saying singapore is good it's not that singapore is that bad you know uh, even in the channel news asia article about me they said my house was still decorated with chinese new year decorations there cannot be another person who was more inclusive in singapore than me i mean i am now a travel guide i tell people where to go where to eat what culture what to do and all so it was bad and and i'm extremely upset and angry about it this has been the most important topic in my mind and i have some life objectives based on that only uh, now that i've come in and that i've retired from corporate um avijit you talk a lot about um you know understanding local norms uh imbibing in local culture and integrating um i've been trying to understand what integration means um i've been reading a lot about you know what it exactly means and i know that it, it it's shifting in terms of yeah. meanings and boundaries what does cultural integration mean for you i would say uh, respecting each other's culture enjoying each other culture being a part of each other's culture and you know uh, get over from the ment- obviously with every community or every nationality you have some mental blocks the, the the you know there are some real big jokes i'll tell you indian cuisine is one of the most popular cuisines of the world everybody will agree this there's no country in the world which doesn't have at least 10 indian outlets no indian city in the world which doesn't have 10 indian outlets it is one of the most popular indian dishes are some indian dishes are more uh, i mean if i have to rank the top 20 dishes of the world indian dishes at least two three will feature there singapore is the only country which keeps saying oh indian dishes are too oily too rich and when you cook the entire kitchen becomes black this is the only country where i've heard this i've never heard this ever. if i tell to a brit i tell to aussie they'll say oh tandoori chicken they'll say butter chicken they'll say naan they'll speak of the dishes but you speak in singapore they'll specifically say so Uh, i think you have mental blocks against each culture i i can understand that the communities because you know not all of us are exposed or as uh, no as traveling as so let's say me and my family have traveled but somewhere down you have to break we are not living in a village anymore this is a global world it doesn't matter where i am you know what i i could get jobs in bangalore i could get jobs in mumbai i mean i'm saying when i was in singapore people say you know you love india you love singapore why did you come in india i said because the time it takes me to travel from bangalore to my hometown jamshedpur the same time it takes me from singapore to jamshedpur so i stay in singapore and i i that time i felt singapore was the best country in the world to stay so i think getting inside each individual culture celebrating all festivals is uh, you know participating in all events whether the come i actually think singapore uh, system does some great job through these community hubs okay including in the hdb where uh, i'm forgetting the name you know there's a common area which a hall which you can book and you can celebrate some festival or a birthday or a stuff like that so sorry you you cannot celebrate but the system celebrates you have the local town council which, so singapore actually tries a lot and it does a lot what's sad is that you know people are unable to get it as well as people are getting across the world and singapore i feel is more dreamy towards america they all in fact i the, there were a few singapore things before i think the singapore things are getting lower and lower i think everybody dresses only in western the food even singapore and some of the foods are getting out of fashion and i can list you those foods actually which are getting out the, some singapore tradition itself are getting lost amidst all this so it's a global world if it's a global world i think it's important that we all respect and love and be with each other if if i can you know come to singapore and adopt a child there and make a difference there and you know whatever the things i mentioned i can do there i think everybody can do it and you know slowly slowly you have to get adjusted to this global world. if i go by singaporean's theory that one theory was oh he tore the flag okay if that's the most offensive picture have you ever told anybody in the mall with an offensive t-shirt do don't wear that t-shirt you never say that right because you accept that you you have to keep an open broad artistic mind to you know understand and accept that there will be different types of people as long as nobody is physically hurting you or breaking the law it's fine now other things singaporeans say you know drive away all expats i think that initially they're targeting the indians remove all the indians then they'll target the chinese they remove all the chinese then they'll target the filipino it's you know then should the entire world be like this in english premier league 
their favorite team manchester united should they only hire english players only because an expat is not supposed to be there <laughs> that's huh? a great analogy should should, should uh, the you know the uh, the leicester city was owned by a thai uh, a thai businessman and i think when that person passed away there was tremendous sorrow in leicester city leicester city people love thailand for that what should i tell them oh no you cannot love two countries you have to only love one country because singapore teaches you that you cannot you know the world is global you will find expats everywhere why just expats you know uh, rindo you're from india i'll just take an analogy 20 years ago 20 years ago when we were in a you know many of us had a servant in our house that servant would typically be somebody who would be got from the village and come to the house to stay and live and that person would stay with us for long times and why would you do that because that that particular employee or that characteristic or whatever your parameters is not available in your city that's why you get somewhere from the village an expat is hired outside because not necessarily the you know it's a cheap employee or lower salary or something it is because an employee or a resource in the same parameters is not available in house that's why i am going to hire now i don't know when singaporeans will be mature enough to understand that it's actually more costly for a company to hire somebody from outside you hire some unless you know for countries who don't have people like the scandinavian islands they bring people because they are they are facing lack of population singapore doesn't face lack of population it actually costs them more to get an employee from outside but why they do it because it is needed so similarly i go back when a servant comes and stays in a house he becomes part of your family you know after 3 4 years he is part of the decision making in the family he makes mistakes he'll make many mistakes during the visa human being but he continues to remain part of the family somebody needs to you know tell this to singapore that you know you're the best you were the best country in the world you know what you need to do just just keep an open arms just keep an open arms you know not have any rigid mindset cultural integration is not difficult you know a guy who is wearing a manchester united jersey okay who's wearing a jeans made from usa and then he says that oh i am a patriot and you know you don't come to my country it's it's a bit bullshit you know and let's face it singapore has problem with imports human imports how about thing imports there's not a single thing which is produced in india apart from a few indian snacks there's nothing else which is produced in india or produced in singapore why don't they chase away all the imports that oh we'll make our own food so you see the more you go towards this extremism there's no end to this extremism the more you'll first chase away indian expats then you'll chase away chinese expats then you'll chase away everybody then you'll be alone you'll think you're the king and still at that stage you'll realize oh i still don't have a condo i still don't have a car i still can't gamble at the casino actually you know most Indi- most singaporeans used to tell me that see we are a first world developed country even america is first world developed but there they have so much money they gamble in casinos they have duplex houses they have cars we don't have that come on that's such an unfair comparison and unfair on mr lee kuan yew and the singapore government over the decades what they have done for this country it was on the verge of extinction there was another country who dumped this country and from there where it has reached where is that respect so you know i you know you speak of flag you know people said that oh he tore the flag okay the guys who raised my issue first singapore and indians and hamada i went into their facebook page a few days ago they themselves had almost all of them had posted a blackened flag of singapore they themselves had done it and i didn't find it was too much offensive maybe they were protesting about something but they themselves right. have done it so yeah it's, uh, you know, it's... I, i believe it is insecurity at multiple levels and i believe the state has to work on this it it can only come from the top it cannot come from the bottom um i would just like at least from what i'm reading and understanding a lot of it stems from dissatisfaction with the current state of affairs a lot of it is um the lack of economic mobility which wasn't what it used to be let's say a generation past um i think a lot of singaporeans are struggling with rising housing prices and a whole bunch of things and i think they're also very much influenced by the perception of the affluent yeah. foreigner it's yeah. um and so that has just become hard coded and i dare say this is not necessarily a singaporean thing i think it's happening all yeah. across yeah, the world yeah, right yeah. now yeah, yeah. It has, so it has nationalism nativism they're all mm. surging in popularity over the last decade so um it's it's uh, a growing uh, trend uh, but yeah uh, just to interrupt you yep. yes it's a growing trend nationalism is a growing trend but singapore is a first world country right and first world countries don't react like this 
if in Australia you have a flag post like this, it doesn't matter. In fact, I have in LinkedIn, my Australian friends have put that post, you know, with Australia and England, uh, Australian, flag, Australian body being torn and an English flag inside. They said nobody will get offended because it's a first world country with first world people. Singapore actually eulogizes America. If you see America, the American flag is there as doormats, as tablecloths, and everywhere, as trunks. People don't have a problem. Yeah. So uh, I think Singapore can do much, much better. My, this was very, very disappointing. Very, very disappointing and upsetting. So speaking of um, <laughs> uh, thin skin um, and discomfort or presence of foreigners in general, um, I wanted to understand if this was something that you were aware of, at least before the incident. I wasn't aware of this. I would never believe it also if anybody had told me. I would have said, come on, I live in an HDB. I have all nationalities living around me. I have no problem with anybody. And uh, I honestly, I never felt it. Uh, there, were, there were whispers which came to me. I never took it seriously. I said, no. I, I actually, my standard line would be, this is the best Indian city to live in. That would be my standard line because you never feel you're out of place. You have, I think, over 150 Indian restaurants. You have the Singaporeans. Actually, the average Singaporeans are very nice people. You will not find too many countries in the world where, you know, somebody brushes you and then turns back and says, oh, sorry. It's, it's very unfortunate and upsetting that this happened. with. I never wanted to live Singapore. I had plans to retire there lifelong. I never wanted to live Singapore. As, uh, as someone who's been living here for close to 10 years now and who does consider Singapore as home, um, you know, I... I wouldn't want to leave either because, you know, I found uh, purpose here. I found friends here. I found love here. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's, um, it would be hard for me to want to leave. And that's why a lot of these stories really affect me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm just, I, I just have to say, I'm just, I'm just glad to know that, you know, you're doing much better than you were, um, you know, three years ago. Um, I, Abhijit, I wanted to ask, um, you know, so I'm I'm living here, and there's a lot of uh, Indian expats and expats in general still living here. Um, what, do you have any advice for us in light <sighs> of the, you know, but rising nativism? Actually, my advice before 2018 August would be, would have been different, and that was exactly what I would tell uh, tell the you know, locals during my classes to love Singapore more, to appreciate Singapore more, to see the positives in Singapore, like you know, the world class airports, the extremely safe roads. Uh, Singapore is very predictable, which is a good thing. You know, what you don't want in your life is unpredictability. You know, you wake up in the morning and something is going wrong on the road. Something is going wrong in your house. Your water has suddenly stopped or there's a blast somewhere or there's a fight somewhere. Or There are many unpredictable things which can happen when you live in another city. Singapore is a very predictable city, which gives a lot of peace of mind. I sometimes feel it gives so much peace of mind that people actually forget that, you know, you need to appreciate that. There are... Tons of things which Singapore does, even even the you know even the local government. I remember I used to put up blogs that this is a Singapore exhibition which is free for all. Please go and visit it, and I would put it in the same Indian groups and everywhere group because I felt you now the government does so much. Government does so much to integrate people and all, but I think somewhere there they they, they lost way and they had to take this particular course. So I think there is a lot to uh, to love in Singapore, which people must do it. I I still have lots of praise and good words for Singapore. Now, the other portion, uh, I still have a lot of praise and good words for Singapore. The other portion comes up is that if I have to see Singapore post this incident, well, I'll ask people to stream, the streamline their expectations. Uh, if you are a fair skin and you're Chinese, you're slightly better off. If you're a Westerner, you're the next level, maybe better off, but not too much. If you're the Indian skin, then you really need to rethink your priorities. When I came in 2008, my first thing after the one year was apply for a PR. I want to live here forever. I think that has to change now. You know, Indians uh, come in and are quick to apply for PR. I know Indians who applied 10 years for PR. They've stayed 11 years, 10 years they've applied for PR. But the fact is, the locals don't want you there. So why do you, why do you want to get a PR there? Why do you want to get a citizenship there? And the other part is, once you lose your job, you are not going to sustain there. So most people who take PR, like I took PR because I wanted to stay there. Plus, I, I was buying an HDB, so it helped me. But most people actually are not buying an HDB. They're not sending their kids to local school, like I send my son to local school. But then why do they need the PR? By taking the PR, they are just rising their expectations. They're getting more attached. They are starting to love the country more, which I did. 
And I thought that was a grave mistake. I should have just treated Singapore as a cash cow, a stepping stone, just go have some years and come out. I actually could have put all that money in India and I may have been in a better position. I don't know. So the other thing is that very recently I've written a few articles. Okay, I have now become a poster boy of return to India for Singaporean Indians. Singapore expat Indians, they keenly follow my blogs. I've recently written a blog of, you know, what are the steps to do when packing? Then I wrote a blog, NRI settling in India, how good or bad or ugly it is. After I wrote that blog, every week I get a new call. I got somebody new calling me whom I don't know, asking, hey, what should I do? My job has gone. I've had a 1982 PR, PR from 1982 saying, I want to go back to India because my job is gone and I cannot sustain myself here. So I have two choices. Either I live here, I continue to live here in tougher circumstances, but with the same savings in India, I could live a rich life. I have a 1980 citizen who has contacted me who says, I want to give up Singapore citizenship and switch back to Indian citizenship because I don't want to live here. And obviously he's lost his job. And so I wonder that, you know, after 30 years of service there, if a person cannot accumulate that much to have a decent lifestyle there, worth his happiness, then why should you, you know, get so much attached, get so much involved? Um, Avijit, I want to delve into this a little. Uh, number one, the thing that you said about, you know, uh, treating Singapore as a cash cow and streamlining expectations, it kind of uh, perpetuates an already existing perception Narrative. that Singaporeans yeah, yeah. have of, uh, of uh, Indian expats. So I kind of um, struggle to, um, you know, accept that particular uh, way of thinking. Um, having said that, number two, there are a number of us who still live here in Singapore. And, um, you know, I, I do understand that as expats, you know, we're always seen to have the luxury of exit, so to speak, you know. Um, but then for a lot of us, you know, it's just this is our reality. And I like and I would like to think that this is going to be my foreseeable future. So I would really like to understand how to navigate um, this, especially since you have been through, um, you know, um, a lot of it. So, so, you know, again, the that's why I said I gave two pieces of advice. The first piece of advice was pre-2018. So if that incident hadn't happened to me, my advice would have been the first one. You know, there are too many things to love about this country. You know, uh, a week before that event, I was the only guy in DBS in that particular floor who was wearing a red and white shirt. And I was telling others, hey, Singapore National Day is tomorrow, which was the next day, a holiday. I said, why aren't you wearing a national day? You know, you should feel proud about your country. So there are gaps. And that's why there was a training module. That's why for one year in 2016, I was doing this training module. And uh, there are too many things to love about Singapore. But now what we know is that you cannot, as an Indian, as a dark-skinned Indian, irrespective of your citizenship status, you cannot afford to get video recorded or caught in internet. So maybe the idea is you be there and be like a dumb robot. You see a traffic light, green signal, just walk. You see the mall is closed, just go back. Don't question anything, don't do anything. Just be in your own world, be like a robot. Is that how you want to be? No. We get one life to live our life. We get one life to express ourselves, our love. And I still maintain that post was showing I love Singapore more. My body is now Singaporean. For many years, it was Indian, even after I had come here. But now there's everything. I love petan sambal. I like ikan bilis. I like chili crab. I like chicken rice. It's now completely Singaporean. That, that's what I wanted to say there. So I did. I loved Singapore a lot. But uh, yeah, because of my circumstances, I have two separate boxes of advice. I understand. Um, Avijit, uh, perhaps the last question. Um, what does the future hold for you now? Um, what are, um, will, uh, you mentioned something about a personal project. Oh, yeah. So uh, it's, a, it's a big news, actually. And it will make news in Singapore, I can assure you that. So this is now the most... Uh, and I, in fact, you're the first person who's coming to know of it publicly. This is not yet public. This is a project I worked the last six months. Uh, mm. So there's a book being written on this incident. Uh, so I came here and I decided that I'll retire from corporate and my life, at least for the next two or three years, will be dedicated to erasing this nonsense. That a corporate cannot fire somebody or a country cannot do like this with an expat, any expat. I mean, even if for an, uh, a migrant who comes from one state to another, you cannot do this. You cannot make him a target. You called him because you need him. That's why that. So a book has been written. There's an established author in India. 
who's writing this book. It is a 400-page book, so it has a lot in it. And uh, I've spent the entire COVID period, you know, talking to my authors, the publishers. We are actually contracted with not one, not two, not three, but five publishers. And when I say five publishers, these are traditional publishers. This is not e-Kindle or Amazon and all that. This is the, you know, brick-and-mortar publisher. There are educational, uh, there's a publisher who publishes educational books. And they said, this story has to go out to the world. So I have five publishers. It's uh, The book is in very closing stages. That's the reason why it has been confidential so wrong. The script has been done. In the next three months, depending on the COVID situation, it will be out. And it's a very hard-hitting book. It does speak a lot about what we spoke the last one hour. And the other thing is that the book is not coming out in one language because I felt this story is not specific to Singapore and India. This is, is a global problem. And as you mentioned sometime ago, it's a global problem. So it's going to be published in three uh, languages simultaneously on the same day of release. And yeah, I think from around the first week of October, the official posters will start coming out. The, the It's going to be big. We already have, we are already talking to, in initial stages of talking to somebody who wants first rights to the web series after the book releases. So uh, we are already in discussion who says that we want to make a web series. So I'm the owner, I'm the complete owner of the project now. So then our stance is, let this book get the editing and the pictures and everything in place. Let it go out. Let's say the reaction plus. Basically, I want to see, you know, what are the different uh, offers I have for web series. But we are already discussing with somebody who says he, they want the first right to web series. Wow. Um, okay. It will be uh, big. I'm, I'm really intrigued. Um, uh, but you mentioned earlier that, you know, this is something that's quite confidential. Uh, do you want me to, uh, you know, cut this part out for the episode? No, 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 keep it out. Keep it out. Because as I told you from 1st October, anyways, we are going live with the posters and all that. Okay. And so it's, so cool it's absolutely fine. Okay. It, okay. It, the, the book not just talks about that incident and how it went about. It talks about DBS. Uh, and should a person who, you know, parks, and I think 80% or 85, 87% of somebody, 87% of Singapore actually park their funds in DBS. Are, how safe are their funds in DBS? You know, it also speaks on that level. It speaks on the, you know, government actions of a different level. It also speaks about the Singaporeans who actually came out in my support. I actually have screenshots. The book will have a big illustrations segment also, which will have screenshots of people saying, hey, we are with you. What happened? This was wrong. CEO saying, you talk to me, I'll help you get a job. So it is a balanced book. It shows both sides of Singapore, the, the good, bad, and the ugly. And uh, yeah, and obviously, it's a very passionate project for me. And that's why I love the fact that I'm uh, I'm retired from corporate slavery and unfairness. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm really looking forward to that book and to the web series uh, going forward. Um, um, Avijit, um, all the best in your endeavors. Uh, and once again, I really want to thank you for, um, you know, letting me have this chat with you. Um, I have been very reluctant to reach out to you, uh, thinking that it's probably something that you'd not want to talk about. Um, so I'm glad that you, um, you were okay with it. Um, and, um, I, I hope that you and your family are doing okay. Um, they're fine. They're absolutely fine. You can, you can see my village, you know? What the Singaporeans call it my village. That's my village. They, they call India rape land also. So I think based on, you know, a couple of rapes in a, or whatever, the rape status, statistics of India for a population of 1.3 billion, if they can call India rape land, uh, unfortunately, I cannot call Singapore an extremist country or, uh, you know, a very fundamental country based on that, uh, based on that one incident. Because I still have a lot of love for that lion city. Yeah. yeah. And there has to be some difference between me and them. So, and speaking of Lion City, uh, thank you so much for being part of Living It Up in Lion City. Um, and uh, Abhijit, I hope you have uh, a great afternoon. Uh, yeah, it's going to be evening now. And thank you so much, Rindo. I think what you're doing is very much required. And you know what my publishers told me? They said that Rindo is godsend. He's coming at the right time. You know, it could not have been later. Looking at the way these, you know, incidents of uh, hyper-nationalism is increasing in a, in a very cosmo country like Singapore. Cosmo and small country, you know, it can be very easily controlled. This is not India, 1.3 billion. It's, it's just, a, you know, it's a very, it's a fraction. It's even lesser than the population of Bangladesh. So thank you so much for what you are doing. My publishers actually told me, I asked them, can I go and say this? They said, please say, this is the first of many interviews you're going to do now. So... <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm thank flattered. you so much Rindo and <laughs> you, you take care 
and my love to all singapore and all singaporeans uh, majula singapore it's it's a lovely country there are many things and i deep inside my heart my kids my wife and me we miss singapore at times and i wish things were different but now i hope i will make things different hopefully things will change and i'm looking forward to a positive future thank, thank you. you so much avijit all right thank you bye bye take care bye bye love to singapore so that was avijit das patnaik folks um it was an interesting conversation and i learned a lot from it and it also gave me some more insight into what actually happened and what he went through i do have a lot to say about this conversation and some of the themes that were very apparent and i hope to explore them in future episodes um what you can also look forward to are opinions from my singaporean friends on the issues so keep a look out for those um and that's all i have for today really and uh thank you once again for listening um my name is rindo and you were listening to living it up in lion city ciao